Welcome back, friends. Welcome back to The Corbett Report. I'm James Corbett of CorbettReport.com, coming to you in February of 2024 with a heartfelt message of thanks to Russian President Vladimir Putin. What? <laughs> Thank you, Putin, for delivering us from the New World Order? Thank you for saving us from the globalists? No, of course not. As you will know from my previous, many, many previous reports on this subject, perhaps most notably CorbettReport.com slash Putin, you will know that Putin is not opposed to the New World Order agenda of sustainable development and biosecurity scamdemic nonsense and all of that. No, he is 100% on board with that agenda and is definitely steering the Russian people and the Russian state into the maws of the globalist cabal, not delivering them from that cabal. So, no, I am not thanking Putin for that. I am thanking him for making long, boring, historical, dry discourse about history great again. <laughs> Yes, if you are watching this in February of 2024, as I'm releasing it, you might have an inkling what I'm referring to. I am, of course, referring to that incredible, unbelievable event that just took place. The most significant interview of our lifetime. Tucker Carlson sneaking off to Moscow to go interview Vladimir Putin. As I say, you have undoubtedly heard about that interview by now, and probably many of you have at least listen to part of it. And if you have, well, I'm interested to note that the the most common reaction that I've seen to this interview is, why is he talking about history? What's going on? It's like a history lecture. <laughs> well, yes, it turns out history might be important and it might behoove us to know something about the history of an area so that we can un better understand what is taking place in it today. This is a point that I have made myself back at the beginning of the Ukraine crisis, the beginning, question mark, in 2022, in February of 2022, I, I did release uh, a guide to the Ukraine crisis, what you need to know. And in that, I did specifically make the point that, well, the question is, when did the clock start on this crisis? Did it start on February 24th of 2022 with the declaration of the special military operation to denazify Ukraine? Or is there a perhaps a previous point? Maybe maybe history didn't begin on that date. Maybe maybe we could go back to 2014. Hey, maybe we could go back before that, 2004. Maybe before that, maybe we can go back to the the Soviet era. Maybe we can go pre-Soviet. Maybe we can go back to ancient history. Well, that's what Putin was doing anyway, and I think there is some merit to that. So, in the spirit of exploration of historical linkages to current ongoing geopolitical events, I have some things to say on this matter, as you might imagine. And what I'm going to do today is to re-release something from the Corbett Report archives, the 2014 archives specifically, where I was talking about foreign intervention in the and the Ukraine crisis, which was highly relevant at the time, because as you will hopefully know, 2014 did mark a very, very chaotic, turbulent year in Ukraine with the events of Euromaidan and the overthrow of the government and all of that craziness taking place then and the subsequent events of Russian invasion of Crimea? Or was it a just a peaceful referendum? Etc. Etc. Yes, there's a lot of interpretation that goes on in these events. But anyway, the fact that foreign interventionism has defined so much of what has been happening in Ukraine for at the very least decades, if not centuries, if not millennia. Well, I think that is self-evident when we start to take a look at these pieces. So back in 2014, I filed this video report, Foreign Intervention and the Ukraine Crisis for GRTV. And I think it is highly relevant to what is going on in Ukraine today. So I think I would like to present this as part of a history lecture about how we arrived at this point in 2024. 
But there's more to say about this, obviously, because as I say, where do you start the clock? Do you start it in 2014, or does it go back further than that? Well, I think you could definitely say that there is more, more to history than the past decade. So, maybe it does invite exploration. Maybe we should go back centuries, even. And if you are interested in that, well, then you're in luck. I'm going to be releasing a brief history of Ukraine an editorial for the Corporate Report subscriber newsletter this weekend. Stay tuned for that. If you are a Corporate Report subscriber, obviously you will be able to get that at CorbettReport.com. If you are not a subscriber and you don't want to pay me any money for my work, fine, fair enough. I'll give you the editorial for free, as I do every single week. You can sign up for my Substack to get the email list. Get on the email list and you will be notified by email. You will get that in your email inbox. You can read it there for free. You're welcome. So, I will have more to say on this, but I thought I would re-release this highly relevant video report from the archives that I think has some important information that people may have forgotten if they ever knew in the first place, but should probably know if they want to know anything at all about what is happening in Ukraine today. Having said that, this is from the 2014 archives of the Corbett Report, which, by the way, are now available in flash drive form. That's right, you can purchase the 2014 USB archive of Every single video, every single podcast, every single interview, every single article that I wrote, produced, edited, video, recorded, etc. in 2014, it is now available on a flash drive from newworldnextweek.com. That, of course, includes the full 720p standard quality of this video as it was released there in 2014 and everything else that I did in 2014. And in fact, there are numerous reports that I did, as you might imagine, on what was happening in Ukraine in 2014, interviews with people like Rick Rozov and others. So I hope you will support this work and also explore these archives. These archives are not just for show and they're not just for putting, burying in a hole in the ground and waiting for some ap apocalyptic event. I think they are quite relevant to what's going on today. And as I will argue in this editorial that I'm working on for this weekend, I think history is very, very important for us to understand if we want to have a chance of understanding the world around us. All that being said, enjoy the video. As the Ukrainian crisis continues to unfold, the foreign funding and backing for the current destabilization becomes more apparent. Now, geopolitical analysts across the board analyze the roots of the situation and whether this conflict is sowing the seeds of the next major war. This is the GRTV Backgrounder on Global Research TV. In late 2004, protests erupted in Kiev after Viktor Yanukovych won that year's Ukrainian presidential election, with protesters claiming that the vote had been rigged. The protests forced a revote in which Yanukovych's rival, Viktor Yushchenko, was elected president. This movement, dubbed the Orange Revolution for the orange ribbons and clothing sported by its members, was one of a series of so-called color revolutions which swept the former Soviet republics in the last decade. As The Guardian noted at the time of the protests, The campaign is an American creation, a sophisticated and brilliantly conceived exercise in Western branding and mass marketing that, in four countries in four years, has been used to try to salvage rigged elections and topple unsavory regimes. The Democratic Party's National Democratic Institute, the Republican Party's International Republican Institute, the U.S. State Department, and USAID are the main agencies involved in these grassroots campaigns. 
So it is not without reason that seasoned political observers looked for outside connections to the recent protests in Ukraine that has, in an almost exact repeat of the 2004 protests, sought to overthrow the elected government of Viktor Yanukovych in order to install Viktor Yushchenko's political allies. These connections have not been difficult to find. We're talking about Victoria Nuland, the top U.S. diplomat for Europe, Assistant Secretary. This is about a phone call she was having with the U.S. Ambassador to Ukraine, Jeff Pyatt. And I got to say, for a diplomatic reporter like me, it was a fascinating conversation. He's now gotten both Seri and Ban Ki-moon to agree that Seri could come in Monday or Tuesday. Okay. So that would be great, I think, to help glue this thing and have the U.N. help glue it. And, you know, f*** the EU. Audio of Assistant Secretary of State Victoria Nuland apparently dictating who the U.S. wanted in and out of the supposedly grassroots-supported interim government only came as a surprise to those who did not believe Washington or its allies in the Washington Consensus were actively involved with the ongoing protests in the country. As did the revelation of her admission last December that the U.S. had already pumped $5 billion into the funding of the Ukrainian opposition. Since Ukraine's independence in 1991, the United States has supported Ukrainians as they build democratic skills and institutions, as they promote civic participation and good governance, all of which are preconditions for Ukraine to achieve its European aspirations. We've invested over $5 billion to assist Ukraine in these and other goals that will ensure a secure and prosperous and democratic Ukraine as did the appearance of confirmed terrorist supporter John McCain at a rally with the leader of the Ukrainian neo-Nazi Svoboda party leader, as did the appointment of a central banker as the interim prime minister and his immediate announcement that the country was in talks with the U.S., EU, and IMF for emergency loans. Ukraine's acting prime minister, Asmi Yatsenyuk, said on Friday he is determined to comply with conditions set by the International Monetary Fund in exchange for loans. An IMF mission is due in Kiev next week for talks with Ukraine's de facto leaders. We have said the heavily indebted country needs at least 35 billion U.S. dollars to stave off bankruptcy. As did the appearance of a slick new viral propaganda video in English promoting the supposedly grassroots uprising, which was immediately exposed as finding its inspiration in Council on Foreign Relations member Larry Diamond, who has worked closely with the same NED and USAID that were linked to the 2004 Orange Revolution. And now I ask you to build this freedom in our country. You can help us only by telling this story to your friends, only by sharing this video. Please share, share it. Speak to your friends, speak to your family, speak to your government and show that you support us. In the latest startling revelation, Pando.com has published documents implicating the Omidyar network in the funding of the current Ukrainian protest movement. The Omidyar Network is the NGO of billionaire eBay co-founder Pierre Omidyar, who recently set up First Look Media as an outlet for, among others, Glenn Greenwald, Jeremy Scahill, and Laura Poitras to selectively publish some of the Snowden document archive, 99% of which continues to be withheld from the public. As geopolitical analysts from across the board explain, the Ukrainian coup has been deliberately provoked by outside agents to promote a combination of US, EU, NATO, and IMF interests. We have the uh, publication on YouTube of the extraordinary uh, open telephone discussion between Assistant Secretary of State Victoria Nuland and uh, the ambassador in Kiev, her ambassador, 
uh, Payet. And this was a phone call made while she was in Kiev uh, in early February, where she literally talked person by person who the U.S., who Washington, who Victoria Nuland and her faction anyway, uh, were going to place in the government. And they said, for example, Klitschko, we want, I want on the outside uh, and the, the uh, Svoboda, the, this neo-Nazi uh, right-wing party that got a huge amount of votes in the last election, uh, want them on the outside. And uh, let's have Julia uh, uh, Timoshenko's uh, man on the inside uh, as, as prime minister and, uh, and so forth, uh, because he has more international credibility. And then she, in the uh, video, this uh, famous statement of hers with eloquent English, uh, she said, fuck the EU. Uh, they want Klitschko in there and, you know, and so forth. So it became very clear this was a direct U.S. State Department coup d'etat instrumentalizing to the person who they were going to do, bring in to, to uh, uh, oust a democratically elected in an election, which Western election monitors uh, claimed was relatively fraud free. So uh, Yanukovych, because people were fed up with the uh, the previous government of, of uh, uh, Yushchenko, this was the uh, pro-NATO government, uh, they voted Yanukovych because they felt uh, maybe they would get a little bit uh, better situation under him. So this was an elected government. The U.S. comes in and says, we don't like what you do, so we're going to change you by, uh, uh, by our, essentially our color revolution part two. Uh, so that we're, we're dealing with, uh, with a situation whereby uh, foreign countries are now, well, we know that this is regime change. We know it. But for, the, for an inter, intergovernmental organization such as the World, World Bank or the IMF to take a stance on regime change is ultimately, uh, you know, it, it, it's, another, it's another set of, of, of concepts. But it's not something which doesn't have uh, precedent. And um, the IMF says, we like this particular president. We don't like that particular president. And they will also put, they will also put barriers, for instance, on any type of social legislation which might emerge, such as increasing the minimum wage, such as um, uh, spending more on hospitals and schools. And uh, I, I mean, I've seen this in numerous countries. So that... Um, what is, uh, I think, what is likely to emerge if a neo-Nazi government uh, or neo-Nazi coalition government um, is formed uh, is, in fact, the reinforcement, ironically, of the neoliberal shock treatment agenda for, for the Ukraine. Perhaps more worrying than the interference itself are its potential implications. As Russia's every move is now being scrutinized for a possible military response to the ongoing crisis, the specter of a larger military operation now hangs over Eastern Europe. Part of the decade-long encirclement of Russia by NATO and deliberate provocations on Russia's doorstep, this process of brinksmanship now threatens to plunge the region into a war, the consequences of which cannot be foreseen, let alone contained. We are talking about, as you said, an unfolding situation. And what I'm discussing is the risk. And what we see is the carelessness and recklessness of Washington in pushing these risks. There's no reason for this. What is it? 
matter if Ukraine is in the EU or not. I mean, how insane is it to expect to have American missile bases in Ukraine? So this what we, you know, regardless of the outcome, even if we get the best possible outcome, we still have the situation where Washington has created extremely reckless events that are full of risk for the entire world, the entire world. So how can you have such a dangerous, reckless, careless government running around as a superpower? I mean, the United States is a threat to life on earth. That's what we are facing here. Now, these risks may never develop. Putin may calm them down, keep everything and on, on a diplomatic level, that's entirely possible. He, he's inclined that way. He has his skills. They will resort to force only as a last resort when they are strategically threatened. But the United States is the one who brings these extreme reckless risks to the world. And when is the world going to recognize that and disassociate and stop enabling this extreme recklessness that emanates from Washington. It is a danger to all life on Earth, and it's enabled by the EU, NATO. What do you need NATO for? NATO was there to stop the Red Army from overrunning Europe. The Red Army disappeared 23 years ago. <laughs> well, why is NATO being expanded all over the world? They're even talking to Japan about it. So this kind of recklessness is what is the danger. It's a far greater danger than the right-wing elements in Western Ukraine. And, and that's what the world has got to realize and come to grips with. And the Americans themselves have got to realize that this is a, an act of insanity to take a direct strategic threat to a major military power. This is insane. As supposedly progressive outlets once again scramble to throw their support behind the billionaire oligarchs and NGOs that have helped to destabilize the country, and as neocons unite with neoliberals in their agenda to carve up Ukraine for Western interests, it remains to be seen what genuine alternative outlets will stand up against this blatant interference and stand up for the principle that it is up to the Ukrainian people and no one else to decide what happens in their country. For more on this story and other breaking news and current events, please go to globalresearch.ca. For more research and analysis by James Corbett, please go to corbettreport.com.